Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coffee and Beer podcast with Nick and the Doctor, sponsored by Black Rifle Coffee Company. Black Rifle Coffee Company was built on the mission to serve coffee and culture to people who love America. Today, we're going to be talking with Zach Schnedeger and Joe Schroeder of Alps Outdoors. We're going to be covering what to look for in a quality backpack. Also, going to talk about some of their uh, top products from last year, as well as what they have new for 2023. So, always good to catch up with our friends at Alps. Also, a reminder the next episode is an Ask NDA Anything episode, so get your questions in. And also, today, as always, there's always a B team report. The doctor and I will not let you down. We will find something to screw up and tell you about every single episode, and we've done that again this time, so we'll have a B-team report after today's interview. With that, let's say hello to a man that is about to have his photo in the next issue of Quality Whitetails magazine, the doctor, Mr. Mike Groman. Mike, what's happening? Well, it sounds like there's a story there that I need to know about because I didn't submit anything as, as far as I'm aware. Does that make you a little nervous? Well, I'm, I'm always looking forward to your intros to me. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's I've become, I don't want to say numb to it now, but I'm kind of, at that point, I'm kind of like on the edge of my seat, getting ready to just pivot based on how it's going to go. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of power in this seat, you know, to say all kinds of stuff that I probably shouldn't say, but uh, no, I, and I can't give a lot of detail. You know, because I know Lindsay listens to this and I can't have him calling me saying, why are you telling everybody what's you know going to be in the, the next magazine or what's going to be posted on the web and all that. But I will say that I was allowed to write a story for the next issue and you're, you're mentioned in it and you, you will appear in a photo. And that's all I can say at this point. Well, that'll be that. I mean, usually when it's you and I doing something together, I know it's not illegal, so <laughs> I, I should be able to keep my job. I'm okay. So what you're saying is when we're not together, you're probably doing something that's not legal. I didn't say that either. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So look forward to that. Uh, anyway, yeah, always, uh, it always, you know, I always enjoy sitting there thinking about, okay, how am I going to introduce the doctor this time? So today I went with that, uh, having had a chance to just see a draft of the article. So anyway, uh, hey, before we get into the interview today, we are, I want to mention that we are now raffling off the coveted Kentucky elk tag. This is a big deal. Okay. I put in for this thing every single year, never draw it. (laughs) Uh, This is a very coveted tag. And this is something we have had the pleasure of raffling off the last several years. And so it's not just an elk tag, Mike, which that in alone would be pretty cool. This is a full package of things. So I'm going to read these to you because I don't even remember everything that's in this package. So here's what's in the package. We have the elk tag, of course. You also get a Savage High Country 300 Wind Mag rifle. That's pretty nice. Vortex Diamondback HD Spotting Scope, a Vortex High Country 2 tripod kit, Vortex Crossfire HD 8x42 binocular, a Vortex Diamondback 4-12 power by 40 BDC scope to go on that nice new rifle that you're going to get, as well as a Vortex Ranger 1800 rangefinder. So you're getting a bunch of glass and technology from Vortex, you're getting a rifle, and you're getting an elk tag, and it is winner takes all. So do you think you could find something productive to do with that, Mike? Well, especially since you have the elk tag, I mean, that's the, that's the big push right there. You know, like you'll, you're going on an elk hunt, you're getting all of the equipment to support that hunt short of camo and boots and things like that but whether you get an elk or not you're still going home with that you can keep you know obviously a great gun great optics great glass like you said and the rangefinder so i mean we always talk about a successful hunt is a lot more than just filling a tag or putting something in the back of your truck but this is you could this i will say will be guaranteed to be a successful hunt because whether you get an elk or not, you're going home with some really good stuff. Yes, absolutely. It is a no-lose situation, although I do think your odds of getting elk an elk are probably pretty good. So anyway, yeah, we have a lot of different combinations of ways that you can buy tickets to get into this thing. This is a really good fundraiser for us, so we appreciate your support. 
and someone is going to win really the prize of a lifetime. So please pay attention for that. That runs, by the way, through April 5th. And that means we'll get a chance. Uh, let's see here. As I look at the calendar, uh, no, we won't. I don't think we'll have a chance to remind you. Yeah, we will. We'll have one more chance. No, we won't. We won't have another chance to remind you of this looking at the calendar. So this is your reminder from the podcast to go ahead and get your tickets. And you just go to deerassociation.com slash elk tag. And you can get your tickets right there. All right, Mike, let's go ahead and jump into the interview with Zach and Joe. Going to learn a little bit about packs. Welcome to the show, our good friends at Alps Outdoors, Zach Scheidegger and Joe Schrader. They're both in product development at Alps, and they are going to walk us through some of their products, but also we're going to spend some time helping to educate our audience on what to look for in packs and uh, hopefully a bunch of other stuff. So always great to see you guys. I just saw you recently at SHOT Show in Vegas, so good to catch up there. And now seeing you on the screen. So, uh, hey, if you guys don't mind, as we jump into this, let's have you tell us a little bit about you. Uh, maybe we'll start with you, Zach, and then jump to Joe. Nope, that sounds good. Uh, yeah, we appreciate you having us on, too. So uh, we look forward to the conversation today. But so like you mentioned, my name's Zach Scheidegger. I've been with Alps now for 15 years as a product development in their hunting categories, primarily. Um we are a little bit of a smaller company too, so I, I do have I have worn several hats throughout the 15 years here, um, whether it be in um, a little bit in marketing or even helping with sales. It's just it's just nice to be able to kind of see all those aspects in a in a company like this size as well. But um, no, a little bit of history about myself. I grew up hunting about the age of nine or ten is probably when I started with my with my father. And then, um, we mainly just deer hunted and I just really had a, a passion for that. And, um, the, that just grew as I got older, the, uh, the next natural thing with us being from Missouri was uh Turkey hunting. So I ended up getting into Turkey hunting as probably around, I'll say my, my high school, uh, age. And then from there, uh, went to college and then after college got a job here at Alps and um, say Adam was one of who is one of the owners um, also one of my best friends growing up and they had started the hunting side and just needed some help and they knew that I was into that so it was kind of a natural fit so as I progressed with Alps then I was able to get introduced to other hunting um, categories such as like waterfowl big game um upland hunting and it just kind of like the passion grew even stronger from there um but yeah it, it's it's been a really really fun 15 years to say the least and it's it's uh it's been exciting to see the industry if nothing else just change within 15 years so but that's a little bit of a background about myself um i let joe speak to to how he ended up at alps and his general hunting background as well yeah, Zach said, thank you guys for having us on. It's always great to be able to talk to folks. Um, I've been with Alps. My name is Joe Schrader. I've been with Alps for two years on the product development side. Um, prior to that, I actually worked for about 10 years in the explosives industry, believe it or not. Um, but I found my way to Alps um, about two years ago. A um, little background on my history hunting growing up. Um, I started at a very early age being from actually the same hometown as Zach here in Washington, Missouri, um, being in the Midwest, pretty well, everything you would imagine from small game up to waterfowl. And then obviously white-tailed deer um, and Turkey pretty well every season I, I had covered growing up. Um, and then I traveled up to Northwest Missouri for college where I went um, to Northwest Missouri state and, and played some sports up there but kind of furthered my passion with waterfowl as well as there's some, some very nice whitetail hunting up in that area. So I would say I definitely fell in love with archery hunting at that point in time. That was around 2005. 
Um, <clears throat> so I've kind of furthered that and I'm very, very grateful to have found my way here to Alps um, and being able to learn from all these folks. They're extremely good to me and I'm excited to see what we've got coming in the future. All right. I appreciate that. A couple of things I want to tease out. I was kind of laughing to myself because there's Zach. He basically married the first woman he met, right? 15 years, he's right out of college and he ends up at Alps. Yeah. And, and then you had 10 years in an explosive relationship, Joe, and you, you need that decided to uh, take another stab at it. And now you're, <laughs> if you find yourself a new mate and it's working out better. <laughs> Funny how that can work. <laughs> it is. It is. Well, it's great having you guys on. I can already tell we're going to have fun during this conversation. And I always love talking about your stuff. I mean, I still remember when I bought my first Alps pack, it was at a Shields up in Bismarck, North Dakota. And I just couldn't believe the value that you got for the price I paid. And it took me forever to wear that stinking thing out. I actually was like, I was ready to try something new, but I sort of had this rule that I wasn't going to do that until I wore it out. So anyway, uh, my relationship with you all goes back quite a ways as well. So uh, anyway, we're going to talk about the latest and greatest at Alps for sure. But before we do that, I'd like to help our listeners with some uh, pack selection advice. Uh, because it's not always that simple. You don't always just go in and, and see something that looks nice. It might not work for you. So uh, let me start with this. And it really doesn't matter uh, whoever wants to answer this. But when someone comes in and they say, or you know, someone comes up to you and says, help me pick out a pack. What are, the, what are some of the first things that you might ask them? I can start with, with this one. Um, so, yeah, I think the most the thing we need to figure out first is the style of hunting you're doing and especially by species. So like, let's just say, obviously this is coffee and deer. So let's say we're talking deer. Um, so where are we deer hunting at? What are you going to be doing? Are you going to be um, walking in several miles? Are you going to be on a few hundred acre farm going up to your tree stand and you got a um, side by side waiting for you? If you do, if you do kill the, the deer versus if you're out west and you gotta haul it off the mountain. So those are the most obvious ones for sure. But then um, go, just sticking to deer hunting, even if you are in a um, Midwest area such as ourselves, it can it can vary just on how much gear you want to bring out to the field uh, on the size of the pack that you would like, and also this the stand situation you have set up. Are you able to carry a little bit more of what we call like a 2000 cubic inch size day pack versus where you can, you can put a, all the gear in there, plus a, maybe an extra layer, some snacks. Um, it just, it just kind of depends on what you're really looking for. And, and I find that the most common uh, white tail pack, especially that can cover a few different regions are going to be in that I'll say, two to 2500 cubic inch range is because it can accommodate so many different types of situations um and uh, that size pack also will hold your bow or your rifle for our our particular styles which always helps to have like hands free if you're climbing and like are like in a climbing situation or if you do have a little bit more of a walk um so that that's how i would start the conversation out did he leave you anything, Joe, or did he take all the good answers? <laughs> well, I think all of the scenarios that he just shared with you guys is what makes our job challenging, but also exciting. We get to design all kinds of different packs for all kinds of different folks. Um, we've got 15 different styles or 15 different options for, I guess you would say, whitetail specific folks. Um, whether you're hunting in a box blind and you want something like our crossbuck, or if you're hunting with predominantly a crossbow and you want to try our, out our matrix that's for that, or um, some of our newer stuff like the impulse that we're really excited about, which I think you're familiar with. Um, or if you want something more minimal in one of our lumbar packs or some of them that expand. Um, if you're going to be walking more miles and doing more of a spot and stalk, like Zach mentioned, there's definitely lots of options. I see the doctor sitting there listening intently. Mike, as I hear all that, I was just sort of thinking, like, as the season goes on, I need a bigger pack. Because in the beginning, right, you only need, like, your release and, you know, maybe a sandwich. But, like, by the end of the season, you need rattling antlers and you need grunt calls. You need 15 different types of scents, right, to, to get the job done. 
Well, and especially since more of us are doing longer or all day sits in the, in the weather, that time of year can be very, very finicky. You might need to bring extra clothes or you might need to shed clothes that you don't want when you're walking in or out. So rain gear, all those things are going to be, you're going to need a place for them. I mean, I know for me late season, uh, I bring a pair of boot covers that I wear to help me get through those colder days. So it, it's one of those things, you know, it's, if you have the extra space, you'll wind up finding something to shove into it. Well, Mike and I used to have a common friend, uh, Art, <laughs> and he used to use this term, hit the panic button. Like if it was getting late in the season, he hasn't filled his tag yet. He says, I'm hitting the panic button. And that typically, <laughs> typically meant he needed multiple packs to get everything into the woods that he thought he needed to kill a deer with. So anyway, you ought to have a pack that's called the panic button that you could basically park your car in. I think that would be good. Keep that in mind. Yeah. yeah. So I want to ask you this. There's there's the Midwest and Eastern hunting, which is for the most part the same, right? You're not typically walking miles and miles uh, to get to a hunting spot. So that requires one thing. Well, unless you're hunting with my buddy, Ron Hawes in Delaware, who likes to take the furthest possible route. Love you, Ron. I'm not going to let you live that down. But uh, Let's talk about the Midwestern and Eastern hunter, right? Is That's not the same pack as a Western hunter necessarily, right? Definitely true. Yeah, I would for sure agree with that. I mean, the most obvious thing with a, uh, a Western hunter is you're primarily going to be, you want to be able to be able to haul game out if you're successful. And there are very good packs to where you could have minimal gear storage but that can expand um, to then be able to create a shelf or a carrying system that can really accommodate that. And we have several styles, um, anything from like our elite, our traverse, um, sure I'm missing a few, but they start off more as a day pack that can then um, expand into a meat hauling system. So that's the most obvious for sure. Yeah, I think for the Midwestern and the Eastern specific guys, um, again, to touch on kind of what our minds go through when we are in the product design process, um, is there a guy that's driving his UTV ride up to his box blind, possibly, or are they walking into a um, conservation area if they're a state that has um, a good, healthy conservation program and they're carrying a climber stand with them um, so they need more minimal? We have a um, more options for that that are just lumbar packs like I mentioned earlier if you've got your if you've got your um, your climbing tree stand on your back uh, there's definitely a lot of options that we go through that we play through our minds when we're designing these things for sure you just made me think of my dad and his buddy because they definitely are the drive right up to the stand uh, <laughs> they're at that stage of their hunting career which is it's funny but it's you know they're still out there slinging it and getting it done so yeah good, good yep. hey you mentioned i wasn't going to bring this up but now that you mentioned it, it it spurred my memory joe you said product development let's talk about that for a second a little behind the scenes uh, of alps if you don't mind so uh zach comes in he has a wild idea how long does it take for that idea to actually become a product? That's a, that's a pretty complex question, I think, because for one, it depends on the idea. Um, and I think it depends on what, if it's crazy enough, you might have to around there for sure. Does, does Zach have any good ideas? Maybe we should have started there. Oh yeah, there. of course, of course. I mean, when you hunt as long as he has, there's all kinds of ideas, all kinds of new ways to think about things. But, but uh, yeah, I think, I think it depends on the idea. It depends on maybe what we have already. If it's a spinoff of something already, or if it's brand new, um, how exciting is it sort of thing? So, like I said, that's a pretty complex question. Um, yeah, I would say he's, he's pretty, he's pretty on point here. He's really only only been here two years so he's probably only seen the process once <laughs> but uh no he hit it pretty much nail on the head with um if it's something brand new it's probably going to take a little bit longer um especially depending on the time of year we come up with it too because i will say we always want to put something through the ringer during a, a season prior to its release date obviously we don't want to just think that something looks good on paper and then 
not put it out and keep, since all of us hunt or the majority of us hunt here, we're able to utilize packs in the field well before they are out to the general public. So it at, at minimum takes a year. Yeah. I think that's always interesting to people. They're always wondering, you know, they, it takes a while, you know, you got to have the idea, you got to develop the idea and then you got to try it out for a while. So yeah, I appreciate that answer. Yeah. And so if you could just, and I know this, I know this is difficult, but if you could just pick, someone says, listen, I'm a deer hunter. Uh, your average deer hunter, I'm going to go out 15, 20 times a season, I'm archery hunting in the Midwest. What, is, what would you describe as just your best all around pack for the whitetail hunter? What would that one be? Um, I'll give my opinion and then I'll let Joe pick his because I don't want to put words in his mouth. Because again, that could kind of just depend on what might fit you better what in terms of uh, what you're bringing out into the field. So I, I've fallen in love with the impulse pack the last two years. And that's the one I usually try to push people to, especially I'll say the bow hunter, just because of how quiet it is. But I also know that the pursuit pack has, has been a fan favorite for quite a while as well. So those are the two packs that I would say for sure, at least give a look when you're in our, if you're, if you're looking at our line, um, as the whitetail hunter, but I'll let Joe go ahead. Yeah, I definitely love the impulse. If I'm going to my same stand, um, <clears throat> I keep my stuff in there every time. I don't have to worry about anything. I know I can fit a lot. It's got that open cavity. Um, and obviously it's extremely, extremely quiet. So for a bow hunter, it's just awesome. But I think that my second favorite, since I'll go a little different than Zach's is the matrix. I really like the matrix. It's got a lot of different pockets. It can um, hold that crossbow very, very comfortably. Like we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, but it also has a large enough compartment in there. You can fit a little bit of extra clothes. You can lash some extra layers on the outside if you need to. Um, but you can also peel some if it does get warm and you don't need it. So I really like that matrix. Yeah. I think I'm not, I'm not surprised to hear different answers because a pack is a very specific to the individual and you sort of get into a system with one. And we've been talking about the impulse. And since we, we are, I want to bring up that that's the pack that I used all the last season. It was new last year. Is that correct? Uh, I believe so. Yep. Yep. And so um, I like to, well, number one, I'm a saddle hunter. Mostly if I'm on my home ground, I've got, fixed position stands I primarily use, but when I'm hunting uh, with my buddy Ron, who I mentioned in Delaware, other places, I'm saddle hunting when I'm mobile. And so it's worked well for that, but it also works really well with camera gear because I film hunts as well. A lot of the, the B-roll and things you see coming from the NDA, frankly, are things that I shot. And so you got to carry camera gear. I'm carrying a saddle. I'm carrying sticks. And that impulse pack can do all of those things and comfortably. So I'm going to stop there because you guys are the experts with it. But a couple of things you already mentioned is just the, the cavity size. You can put a lot, also the quietness, uh, quietness of it. Just elaborate on that a little bit. So I think the, the foundation of that pack is the fabric, which is um, our dead quiet fabric. It's a three layer fabric. It's obviously extremely quiet, almost fleece material on the outside. It has a waterproof membrane in the middle. And then we have um, a very, very soft and quiet, but still durable suede fabric on the inside. Um, and that particular pack has structure to it, structure as such where it will, like you said, stand up on its own if you do need it to. But it also sits, if you're hanging it onto a tree, it really sits like it's almost standing up for you and you can flip that lid open and access everything extremely quietly for one, but also easily. Yeah. No zippers is something that I love about it. I mean, you got magnets on there that, that close it up. Um, you know, I wasn't even thinking about this until you said it, just the water resistance of it. Uh, I can tell you that whenever uh, I shot my Pennsylvania buck, it snowed about three inches while I was out there. And it was that wet, heavy snow. And I have a picture, I should send it to you guys, of the pack basically under snow. But sure. not a, nothing got wet at all inside. And I thought that was pretty impressive. Yeah, no, that's that's great to hear. I mean, that, that membrane for sure keeps the uh, 
the moisture out from sucking it straight through because that fleece outer obviously can can absorb a little bit more um which is why we did that three-layer fabric but um yeah even if you get caught in i'll say a downpour we the pack does have a rain cover as well to help make sure everything stays dry on the inside all right let's go ahead and jump into other new products that you have coming out for this year uh you guys you take it from here you tell us what's new what can we look forward to Yep. Okay. So yeah, the, the main things we want to touch on for sure is basically an extension of the impulse pack that we've just gone over. So with the impulse being as popular as it has been, we just saw a need for more pieces. I'll say using that dead quiet material. So for this coming up fall, we've come out with a bino harness and that's called the shield. And then we've come out with the ember hand warmer. So both of those use that dead quiet material. Both pieces can be used individually or as a pair. So like if you're using the, the hand warmer, you can use the, or it does have a waist strap, but it also has buckles that would clip in underneath the bino system itself if you wanted to use it as a system. But um, we just, we really saw a need to expand on that dead quiet line and not to give anything out too much, but we've also got plans to continue to keep expanding on that in the future too. So um, the, the bino, the shield is a little bit different than our current uh, binocular system that has been very, very popular in the extreme line for quite some time now. So it will actually be a front open a front open system versus the the current Bino X that we have will come back towards you. Um, the, the system itself does have an included lens cloth and it also has a shove pocket back behind it. it does have tethers that you can easily remove from the straps if you wanted to remove the binos. Uh, the, the Ember hand warmer has a little bit of an angle to it so if you've got that system up in your um, above your binos, then you can kind of keep your hands nice and close, ready by your chest. So it, that's why we really like it for bow hunting because it's just easy and minimal movement, and those and those angled entrances really help. And the the cuffs are hidden, so it kind of makes the the uh, the fit a little bit tighter to prevent any airflow going through. And it's a very soft and warm fleece on the inside. And then there is a front pocket that works great for a little bit of storage, or if you want to throw hot hands in there, you can to, to help make it a little bit warmer. But uh, yeah, those are the, the two new pieces for uh, this coming up fall. And it's a, basically a, an extension of the dead quiet um, material that is being used on the, the impulse. And then the, the shield will retail at $49.99 and then the ember is going to, be at $59.99. So just just over a hundred bucks you could get that complete system, which is priced very competitively. Yeah, I think um just to touch on a little bit what Zach was saying, obviously they both will work <clears throat> for the rifle hunter as well, but they were for sure designed for the bow hunter with that with that quiet fabric. There's no zippers on them. Everything's magnetic closure, especially on the ember. Um, but just to touch a little more on specifics on the both of them, um, the, the shield, it's called the shield because we decided we wanted, the optics are getting a little bit more expensive these days and there's just nicer things out there that, that folks can buy. So we wanted something that would protect, protect your optics just a little bit better. So it's structured on all sides. Um, you can slide them right down in there with one hand. You don't got to pull the front open. It's not the traditional soft-sided vinyl harness. So it's really, really good and structured. You can set it on the ground and on wet ground or on in snow and it's not, water's not going to seep through there. Everything's going to be just fine. We also increased the depth, the overall depth by just a little bit as more and more of these optics companies are coming out with a little bit more affordable range finding optics. Um, they will fit the vast majority of those 10 by 42 range finding binos as well. 
Um, and this one also has molly webbing on both sides as well as the bottom. The bottom molly webbing is obviously where you can attach that ember hand warmer um, if you'd like to when you're sitting in the in the uh, tree stand, but also you can attach a rangefinder on each side or external pockets, whichever. Uh, we kind of had both left-handed and right-handed bow hunters in mind when we designed that. Um, and then the ember as well has that front pocket. It's more of an envelope style pocket, like he mentioned, that you could put whatever your phone or or uh, hot hands in. Uh, but it also has that waist belt that you can stow away if you don't need it to, but you can wear it individually without the shield if you'd like to as well. Hey friends, Nick Penizzato here, and I want to tell you a little bit about our friends at Alps Outdoors. Alps Outdoors was established in 2007 with the vision to develop performance hunting gear based on the evolving demands of hunters and outdoor adventurers. The brand advances each year in the offering of their tried and true gear for many hunting types, including deer, turkey, big game, waterfowl, upland birds, and predators. In addition to their high quality and affordable packs, which Alps is famous for, they also offer high quality hunting blinds and other hunting accessories. Listen, I've been an Alps Outdoors pack user for many years and I've yet to find a product that combines their quality and affordability. When you add to that their industry leading warranty, you simply can't go wrong. Be sure to check out their packs and other great gear at alpsoutdoors.com. That's outdoors with a Z.com. Mike, you'll have to appreciate that they specifically said the left handed bow hunter in mind so uh some as a left-hander do you find that uh, sometimes that not everybody takes that into account that's that's more often than not to be honest with you and that's why i've just wound up suffering through more things than not and, and being more of a minimalist because when to buy and pay the amount of money that a lot of the products this in this day and age are priced at to have something that doesn't work for you very well and is it's just better not to use it at all so i appreciate the fact that when the left-handers considered it um it does make it or give you more options because historically lefties have always had limited options at, at best and you've had to just um stay pretty much mainstream like middle of the road types of products like the some of the um custom or elite types of versions were never an option so it is good to hear that it could be used either way for a righty or a lefty and have them benefit from it it's funny i pick on my wife she's also left-handed and we ordered her a bow one time and it took a while to get here and i told her not only was it left-handed but she's vegetarian so i said we have to find a left-handed vegetarian bow <laughs> so you would not believe the wait time on those anyway uh other products. So you guys are, and by the way, I love the looks of that hand warmer. I don't like to wear thick gloves at all when I'm bow hunting, when I'm doing any kind of hunting, frankly. And I just, I love the looks of that thing. So I think that's going to be a good seller and the price points are outstanding. But I want to give you a chance to talk about other products that you all sell there because it's it's not just the packs, right? You have a, you have a whole line of other things that you sell. Yeah, for sure. Um, we We sell quite a bit of I'll say we kind of cover everything in, in uh, North America. So we, we've got big game, excuse me, we've got big game packs, um, like, which we've kind of touched base on for the Western hunter. Uh, we also sell quite a bit of turkey gear. And then like we're, we're kind of known for turkey vests in the area too. Uh, we sell a, lot of waterfowl equipment i would say if you're a waterfowl or all it'd be very beneficial to check out some of our offerings there we have one of the most unique layout lines in the market for sure uh what else we got a we have upland game vest um but we sell blinds uh pop-up blinds we sell um a-frame style waterfowl blinds we have several different um camp furniture or even like um stand like uh deer stand furniture turkey chairs yeah yeah turkey chairs and then obviously we sell I don't if you're I say obviously but if you're not very familiar with the extensive lines that we have we have tents sleeping bags um air pads, air pads. like 
we we have quite the assortment for sure. Now, since you brought up turkey, I got to mention the long spur vest, which is what I have. It's it's not even really. I mean, it's kind of a. I would call it more of an elaborate fanny type pack. It does have yeah. uh, pockets that come down across the front, but I, I've learned over the years. I mean, I know the doctor and I there turkey hunting, having these big heavy vests on that you're trying to truck through the woods, but things have gotten a lot smaller and lighter. And that long spur is a good example of that. That has to be one of your better sellers. Yep. I think the guy on the move really likes that one. So. Yeah. I'm on the move all the time because I'm a terrible turkey hunter. So. <laughs> <laughs> usually running after something I missed or shot at or something along those lines. So anyway, Hey, I want to mention here before we close out that uh, we have signed again, Alps Outdoors is a, is a partner, a supporting partner of the National Deer Association, as you are of many conservation groups, which we certainly appreciate. Uh, but we're uh, signing a new contract here for this year. So we're looking forward to that. And we also are going to have some really cool benefits for our uh, members as part of that as well. We're not quite ready to announce that yet, but uh, look for that down the road. So not only do you already get a great deal on an ELPS product, but uh, we might be able to help you get an even better one. So uh, I want to thank you guys for that and uh, also just give you a chance to speak to your conservation-minded uh, mentality there at ELPS. Yeah, no, I think it's been a position of the owners, all of them now. So, um, they really, really want to give back to the, to the conservation, um, ex which in turn gives back to the hunter. So like it, it's a revolving cycle and they, they are very aware of that. And I just think it speaks highly of them. It also, um, is something that just a lot of people that work here are passionate about as well. So it's absolutely our pleasure. Um, glad we're able to continue to make it work. But um, for sure, it's it's uh, speaks volume of the owners, in my opinion. No, as I said, we certainly appreciate it, as do the other groups that you all support. And as we always tell our listeners, uh, please support the companies that support us because they care about conservation. And to me, that means an awful lot. Uh, uh, before we get you guys out of here, I just want to mention that uh, you can find learn more about Alps Outdoors at alpsoutdoors.com. But it's D-O-O-R-Z. Dot com. Nowadays, though, I don't know if anybody really puts the URL in. Just search Alps Outdoors, yeah, and, and you're going to find them. Uh, and also, their social media is very good, and they've got a lot of excellent resources there. So, a uh, final word from you guys. Anything else you'd, you'd like to add? No, it's been a pleasure uh, speaking with uh, both you and Mike, and um, look forward to doing it again. Thank you guys very much. Yep, thank you. Absolutely. Good to see you guys. It's amazing how far packs have come over the years. I think back to some of the first ones that I ever had as a hunter uh, and the quality of those, they were noisy. The zippers always broke. Uh, they didn't hold up. And nowadays the complete opposite is true. It's true. It's hard to wear out a pack, to be honest with you. I mean, it takes many, many years, especially if it's constructed well. I've had a number of elk, uh, Alps packs over the years, uh, as you heard in the interview, and I've had just a lot of success with them and I also wanted to ask that question about safety and carrying too much, uh, because I think that's something often that people don't think about. But um, overall, a lot of great information there. Just your reaction, Mike. Yeah, it is. It's things that people should think about it. As you said, that the technology or at least the design and research that's going into these packs has changed over the years. And I would encourage people to you know, try and get their hands on them, uh, look at them, see what you like, see what works for you. But, you know, if there's a pack that you have right now that you really don't like, figure out why you don't like it. If there's a pack that you like that has certain features you like, figure out why you like those features. And then as you move into your next pack, those are the things that you should be either trying to avoid or looking for appropriately to get you something that is um, going to support your hunting style and what you need. Yes, it's a big part of the equipment list when you're when you're going out there and you got to really you got to have a good pack. You got to know where things are. And so, yeah, a lot of great information from the guys. And we certainly appreciate them taking time out to uh, talk with us. All right, Mike, it's the B-Team Report.
Okay, looking back at the list. By the way, we're you know, I don't know if you realize this, Mike, but we're creeping up on our 50th episode. We got to do something special for that. So Okay, your, we'll have to work on that. Get your thinking cap on. But maybe I'll try coffee for the 50th episode. There you go. On, yeah. You know, uh, live, like not live, but recorded. But we could do a live. I'm just I'm just saying. But uh at any rate, looking back at the notes from our last episode, I realized that it is your time or your turn to go first. So What's your report? Well, I don't have anything, so I'm going to have to go retro. And if uh, the listeners have, you know, been following us for a while, they know that I'm very meticulous. I'm very cerebral and very calculated in everything I do. And I'll tell one of my original B team stories of why I am this way. So it was back in 1998. And uh, I was hunting up in New York. Uh, my wife and I would come up to visit her family. And so I'd get my New York bow hunting tag and I would bow hunt up here. And I got uh, permission to hunt this place. And it was a, a smaller piece of property, mostly goldenrod with a few hedgerows up here and some drainages. And I scouted the place out the day before, picked my spot, got into my spot and uh, set up for the morning. So the sun rises, um, for, for the most part, rather uneventful, nothing exciting happened and um, went ahead and uh, took a like a break for lunch, just got down, stretched my legs, got back up. And then all of a sudden I look out in the goldenrod field and I see literally what looks like, you know, a candelabra moving through the goldenrod, just as shiny white ivory as you can imagine. I pull up my binoculars because I can see it's a deer and it's a big one. And here is this symmetrical six by six or 12 point walking through the goldenrod. And you know that I'm not the best at scoring the deer. So I'm just going to give you what the dimensions are. Six by six, ridiculously long times. The G2s had to be at least 12 inches long, maybe 13, had a ton of mass, heavy, heavy main beams, 18, 19 inches wide, uh, just at the ears, maybe just a skosh outside the ears, but really high, really heavy. And so put whatever score on that you'd want. Um, so I'm excited. And the deer's not walking toward me. He's walking past this little clump on the end of this hedgerow. And he walks off. A little bit later, I see a doe come through. I see a nice, you know, two and a half year old eight point come through. I'm like, okay, that's the spot I need to be in. So I break down, get up, move, get up in a tree where I can shoot the trail that they're walking through this goldenrod field. About an hour later, here comes this eight point. Now, the reason I can give the score on this eight point is not because I shot it. It's because it's very similar to the one that I shot on your place uh, if those, all those years ago. So this was about a 130, 135 inch eight point, real heavy, real symmetrical, real massive deer. He's coming down the trail. And I mean, I'm ready now. I'm on my feet, bows in my hand. I draw back now because I was hunting in this goldenrod field. I put a what we used to call a... Um, Oh, what are those string trackers called? Do you remember? Yeah, we used to just call them. I think they were just called the game tracker. But I definitely, I used to use them myself. I would definitely remember what you're talking about. So basically, it's this this thinly, you know, fine woven silk that you have on the front of your bow in a holder, and you put the front of it on your arrow. And you know, when you shoot into, well, it's supposed to help you track the deer. But I was using it to a find my arrow in the goldenrod field, and b help me track the deer that runs through this. And like this goldenrod field was easily, you know, 100, 120 acres of goldenrod. So I mean, it was a lot of ground to try and find something. And so the buck's coming along. I come to full draw, settle in on that deer. It's walking past at 18 yards. It stops. I don't even have to stop it. Anchor in, lock down, drop my pin on him, get where I need to get, cut it loose. And the arrow buries in the ground three feet underneath the deer. Perfect right to left. The deer looks at me for a split, well, looks in my direction for a split second and then runs off. And I'm sitting there wondering, like, what in the heck could have happened of why you know, I missed this deer? And I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I start to feel this stinging in my right index finger. I'm left-handed, oh, so no. I hold the bow in my right hand. And I look down in my hand, like I don't wear gloves uh, on my hands when I hunt. And so my hand's covered in blood. And then I look and in the, in the first knuckle toward the tip of your finger, the first joint that bends, there's 
about three inches of the string tracker on the top side of the, you know, the, the right side of my finger. And then the rest of it's going down the bottom of my finger. I can't see where it is. It's buried in my skin oh. and then attached to the front of my bow. What I did is when I drew, I had my hand open. And then when I shoot, I close my fingers down and that string tracker was behind my index finger. And when I cut it loose, it cut right, right down to the joint in my hand miss the deer and now i have to pull this string out which you know i think adrenaline i didn't feel anything beyond that but um that taught me a valuable lesson about you know going through a shot process that is like repeatable and i do all my checks and balances because i let a 135 inch deer go and i have a permanent scar in my right index finger to remember me remember that moment by I could actually feel the pain while you were telling that story. <laughs> and uh, it's bad enough that you missed the deer, right? But then when you got to look down and you're wounded on top of it. And by the way, there's a reason those string trackers uh, are not on the market anymore. I mean, I have my own stories with them. And I think that there's probably, we could have a whole podcast about what went wrong with the game tracker device back in the day. So uh, yeah, geez, man, that's going to be hard for me to top. Uh, we should do one just like injury based someday because you know, we've got no shortage of those. Uh, I'm going to go a little different direction here. I'm going to go on an administrative side of things. And this was just actually recently, uh, last night, as a matter of fact, you, you and I had come on to start the recording and we talked about, hey, what's going on and all that type of stuff. And I said, well, we had a board meeting last night. You know, how'd it go? And I said, well, good. As far as I know, I haven't been fired yet. And so... Uh, but there was there was this one thing that happened before the meeting that I think only a few people realized, and that was that so I try to send out to our board once we settle on our board meeting dates for the year, a Microsoft Outlook calendar invite so that it's on all of their calendars for the year so they don't forget about it. And uh, we do all of our meetings on Zoom, which everybody knows, but everybody's busy. We've got other CEOs from other organizations on the board. So they're busy. We've got other folks that are working other jobs. It's just, they're busy. And so all of a sudden, I don't know if it's within the last year or so, Microsoft now has done this sly little thing where they sneak in this little toggle button that automatically turns your, your meeting into a Microsoft Teams meeting as opposed to any other type of meeting. And if you don't turn that toggle button off, you send off this invite and in the, in the notes of the invite, it looks like it's a Teams meeting, even though we always use Zoom here at NDA. And so as we're getting logged on to the meeting last night, I'm looking at the list of names coming in and it just doesn't seem like there's enough people there. And then all of a sudden it occurred to me, I wonder if that stinking Teams link got stuck in that meeting invitation. So I went back and sure enough it did. And we had a couple other board members that were traveling and trying to get through the meeting and they sent me notes later saying, hey, tried to log into the Teams meeting, <laughs> couldn't get in. And then I realized, okay, it should have been the Zoom meeting. And so anyway, um, yeah. So that's not any way to start your board meeting off. Uh, I will say that while we were recording here, I, I did get a call from our board chairman that came in on my phone. So, you know, hey, if this is the last episode of the Coffee and Deer podcast, it's been real. Uh, <laughs> anyway, no, the meeting, the meeting went well, but it's just one of those things where when you're trying to have a board meeting, all we want to do as a staff is have no glitches, like no big mess ups, no big blow up. We just want to get through the board meeting. And uh, it doesn't help whenever the CEO sends out a fraudulent meeting request. So any board members listening to this, my apologies. I'm going to send out a new fresh request that does not have the Microsoft Teams toggle on there. And shame on you, Microsoft, for trying to trick us into using your lousy meeting platform. So there you have it. I've said it. We will not be getting a sponsorship from Microsoft. All right, folks, B-Team Report, as always, uh, if you have one, send us. Send us your story. We'd like to share it so it's not always us making fools of ourselves here. Hey, Mike, I got a couple things I want to report on here. Uh, we had the Southeast Deer Study Group last week. Several of us from the NDA team were down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Yeah, it was awesome. It was the first one we had in person in the last, uh, well, the last two we did virtually and they were hosted by NDA. And it was so nice to get back in person and it was, you know, it doesn't hurt that it's 80 degrees in Baton Rouge. So that was comfortable. The, one of the very first things we did is there was a big crawfish boil at the welcome reception. 
So that was great, sort of burning our faces off with, with uh, spicy crawfish. Uh, that was good. We had pre, uh, got to see all the presentations and all the latest research, which were excellent. Our own Ben Westfall and Kip Adams had presentations this year. Um, we had, uh, you know, Lindsay Thomas is there taking photos and taking lots of notes so that we can report on this to you going forward. Uh, and just a lot of um, opportunity to collect content. We even had one of our interns, Adriana Maurer, came you know, primarily on her own dime to come down and meet people. Uh, she's very impressive doing work for us and trying to make connections uh, for grad school. So we had a very good presence there. And also, uh, I got to give a shout out, shout out to Matt Ross, who was the one that had the an, an enviable task of shutting down the hospitality suite the first night <laughs> in the hotel. So he had to be the bouncer. Uh, and Outdoor Underwriters, one of our partners, has sponsored that uh, for many years. And so we were able to keep that going. So it was great. Got a lot of love from our partners down there and just overall a big success. So I uh, wanted to report on that. While we were there, I also want to give a little breaking news. We found out that we won an award uh, from a pretty prestigious national organization. I'm not ready to provide a lot of details on that yet because uh, I want to wait until there are some releases put out, but we're very excited to have received uh, that award. So um, from that perspective, it's been a pretty uh, pretty productive week. How about you? What's been going on? Well, the thing is, I will have to, I'm, gonna, and I, I'm excited to announce this. I have found some of my people. So what I mean by that is I had a coworker that has come up to me and approached me and said, uh, so I heard that you hunt. And because I haven't really been touting that. And I said, yes, yes, I do. And she said, well, my husband would like to learn how to hunt. And I was wondering if you would consider, you know, maybe talking with him and, and consider teaching him how to hunt. So I'm like, all right, great. I mean, this is something that, you know, we are always talking about trying to do. And so, you know, I'm fully embrace that opportunity. Well, it wasn't two days later. I had another coworker come up to me and said, um, hey, my brother hunts, my son hunts, and I'd like to learn how to hunt. Would you be able to teach me how to hunt? And so I have, I'm excited to report that for the 2023-2024 season and potentially beyond, I have two mentees that I'll be uh, mentoring and uh, getting them out in the woods and teaching them how to hunt. Well, that's awesome, man. We both have all kinds of great news from the week, and it's cool that uh, somebody sought you out and said, hey, I understand that you hunt, which is also cool. And so, yeah, we'll keep us posted on that. Uh, that's one of the best things we can do as experienced hunters is teach somebody new. So that's exciting. Good deal. Hey, uh, along, exciting, along the news of exciting, exciting things, I want to mention, I want to make it a point to always mention some of the current and good content that we have out there for you. So uh, we've been sort of... Um, doing the state of the deer report going around and hitting all the, the podcasts and whatnot and had our own show uh, talking about uh, it's on our YouTube channel, talking about our deer report and some of the top findings from that. So if you go to NDA's YouTube channel, you can watch that. Also Brian Grossman on the deer three deer season 365 podcast had Kip Adams on to talk about the top findings in the deer report. So you can listen to that as well. Um, uh, so definitely check that out. That's one of the bigger things we do throughout the year. Uh, just some things that came up in our last newsletter. So this is an article written by Lindsay. He's been really hitting these little edgy topics lately. <laughs> so uh, eight ways deer are the opposite of what many hunters think. So some people have these hard beliefs that uh, they're never going to let go of, you know, sort of these old wives tales that have been passed down through deer camps that aren't necessarily true. So Lindsay tackles some of those, which is very good. Uh, we also announced our 2022 Branch Achievement Awards. Can't say enough about the great work that our volunteers are doing out there at our local branches. So that's in the newsletter. And also recently, we've put out several articles, as you might imagine, for this time of year related to food plots, uh, fire, hunting gear. Twitter, incidentally, is a good place to see those. So if you aren't following our Twitter account, check out the Deer Association Twitter account where we routinely fire off links to some of this great content that we've produced. And also on our social channels, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, those are very, very active with a lot of great information. Nobody's putting out as much deer content and habitat content as we are, so please take advantage of that. And speaking on the habitat front, uh, Mike, uh, you've been out with the chainsaw a bit still? Yeah, yeah, I have. Uh, slowed down a little bit. We got another four or five inches of 
snow. We have another four to six coming tomorrow and another three coming on Sunday. So it's getting to the point where the, I can't get the four wheeler back there. It doesn't have the correct tires. You know, I need actually tracks to get back in there and do work. So I've been doing stuff up closer to the house uh, where I can walk my way in, but it's, you know, with that freeze thaw, it's getting a little bit hard and I like good footing underneath me. Um, I mean, I will report because I mean, again, this, this isn't really a B team story, but I was trying to cut and um, wound up just grazing my uh, chainsaw chaps because I was shifting my weight and um, I broke through the crust and I'd lost my balance. And that uh, chainsaw while I was running at full, full bore came through and just grazed my left uh, thigh of my chap. So I have a little battle scar on the chaps. My leg's perfectly fine, but that's why we wear that safety equipment. So that told me it wasn't uh, the right time to be out there cutting. Yeah. I mean, this is, you and I have passed on going out and cutting because of snow depths. And so to anyone listening to this, yeah, that's not a good time to be out there cutting. But incidentally, I think most people listening to this living south of you heard you talk about inches of snow and they looked at their calendars and saw that it's mid-March and they're like, what in the world is going on? It's, you know, flowers are blooming down in Baton Rouge. I, I took a little trip over to LSU's campus while I was down there and the flowers are blooming and kids are in shorts and t-shirts and the doctor's on here talking about inches of snow. Yeah, it's 28 right now as we're sitting here, 28 and cloudy and we have uh, like snow coming uh, Friday and again on Sunday, Monday. Yeah. There's a reason why we call it the cold, cold north, and uh, we're going to be about 50 here, and I'm not all that far south of you, but uh, at any rate, yeah, you're living a different world up there. You know, for me, Mike, on the habitat front, I'm, I'm finding that I'm failing to have fun <laughs> out at my place. I haven't done any shed hunting. I've got some trail cameras that are still out on public land that I have to collect, and now we're staring trout season, turkey season in the face, and I'm also coaching baseball when I'm not doing NDA stuff, uh, and so... The biggest reason I think for this is a lot of my time got eaten up because I had that lime delivery and I've been spreading it by hand. Now I do have most of that. Actually, I have all my food plots covered and now I'm just with, I have a pile of what's left over. I got to decide where to put that. Uh, and so that has taken a bunch of my time, but I'll tell you what I do have planned. I got a bunch of new stone for my road, which I, I put on my TikTok account. Uh, folks can check that out. But, um, you know, as it is when they tailgate stone, it's not always put down perfectly uniform. So I've got some work. I'm going to get my dad to come out with his tractor and help dress that up. Uh, and so that was done. But I'm ready to get out and do some frost seeding. I got a nice uh, shipment of Whitetail Institute clover in that I got to get seeded here. A good time. By the way, I've had several people message me on my, on my social channels asking about when is the best time to do that. And as a general rule of thumb, if you want to frost seed, there's nothing magic about this date, but I'm always thinking anywhere around March 20, somewhere in there is not a bad time. You can actually seed right on top of snow if you want to. It really helps you see where the seed is, frankly, uh, so it can help you that way. So really any time, but for me, I try to target cart target it, excuse me, target doing it uh, before or around that March 20 uh, time frame. So I want to do some of that. And as you also know, Mike, I've got my camp building that's going to be showing up. So I'm going to have a floor to put in that. It's just so many different things. I'm not helping myself here with Habitat because I'm getting caught up in all these side projects. So uh, I don't know if you have a solution for that or not. Just pace yourself. That's all the only solution or suggestion I have is just pace yourself. Yep. That's about all you can do. And keep it fun. Like you said, if it's not fun anymore, you're not going to want to do it or not going to put your heart and soul in it. So just realize that, you know, Put it, put everything, prioritize it, put it in boxes, realize that there will be time and this is a lifestyle. It's not like a one-time event. You'll have, you'll have more time. Yep. And I would like to have taken video of myself from the first load of lime that I put out by hand and the last load of lime to see the expression on my face. Because the first day I said, you know what, this is fun and it's a great workout. And then by the second time I said, well, this isn't really fun, but at least it's a good workout. And by the end of it, I was uh, getting very creative with my thoughts and my language because uh, I was I was done. I was done with it. So anyway, um, glad that that's over with for the most part. So, all right, folks. Hey, as always, we hope you enjoyed the show today. A lot of great information. Hope we entertained you at least at some level. Uh, spring is on the horizon despite the feet of snow piling up uh, with, for the doctor there, but it really is on the way. And that brings with it a lot of other exciting opportunities. So. Thanks for listening, folks. National Deer Association, where we are united for deer.